We're in part two of It's My Decision, and the title of today's text is Your Story in Life. Well, we're talking about decision-making specifically here, and we're talking about decisions when you really didn't want to make a decision and you became surprised with a decision that you never thought you would ever have to make. You know, we've been talking about questions that we are to ask when we are at that time of having to make a decision. Because these can apply to any kind of decision making these questions. But this applies to decisions that are a surprise to us in having to make. So the main theme question for us is, am I being completely honest with myself? That's the main question that we must ask ourselves when we are pressed to make a decision that we never wanted to make. So these are questions that we need to ask when we face these kinds of dilemmas. As I said, Am I being completely honest with myself? It's a reoccurring question that we will bring up each week of this series because it is so important because we are so good at deceiving ourselves. And reason, the reason why is if we're completely honest is I'm on a happiness quest. I'm on a heart quest. And the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? So because of that, we got to change the relationship we have with our hearts and pause and ask the question, am I being completely honest with myself? This TV series, The Bachelor and the Bachelorette, there's been 32 couples that have hooked up together. Out of those 32 couples, only 25, 25 of them have not stayed together. Within two months, they have broken it off. So it shows that the heart can be deceitful above all things. And it's not a good way to, to react. And we talked about that in the very first series. But in this one, part two, we want to ask the question, what is the story you want your life to reflect? This is the story that was a defining moment in my life. So what story do I want to tell that my life reflects? Not a story that reflects a lie, made-up story that makes you look good, but it's false. No, you have to go back to, am I being completely honest with myself? This is what's so good about even a home group, because this is the place where you can tell your story. You know, people don't walk up to you on the street and say, hey, tell me your story starting in high school. No one does that because nobody cares. But in a home group, the people there, they actually want to know your story, as you want to know their story too. So it's a good place to tell your story in life in different junctures of your life. So your story with the Lord, your story without the Lord, the decisions that you made, whether they're good, bad, or ugly. But understand, no matter how big the decision is, no matter how complicated the decision can be, it could be a relationship thing, a financial thing, something to do with the job or not actually having a job. Regardless how big it is, regardless how complicated it is, here's what potentially is going to happen. At some point in your life, it's going to be nothing more than your story that you tell. And you get to choose the story that you tell as it relates to the dilemma that you are now facing. Let me give you an example. This a guy could say, my story is in 2008 when the economy went down, I lost my job. I kind of withdrew from my family. I was embarrassed. I couldn't meet the needs of my family. I could do nothing about it. My company went belly up. The bank system is not what it used to be. Getting the capital for my company was impossible as banks changed their philosophies. I developed some really anger issues. I withdrew from my friends as well. I started drinking a lot more, and before long, there was a huge strain on our marriage relationship. It got to the place where even if I found a job, it was so menial I didn't even like it or I got fired or I quit or whatever it may be. Now, that's a story to tell. Or it could be in 2008 when the economy went down and I lost my job, I made a decision that I'm not going to allow this stress to affect my family. 
God, I'm going to give this to you, trusting you, looking to you to give me strength through all of this. God, I don't want me losing my job to destroy my relationship. I'm going to stay close to you through the whole ordeal. I'm going to seek you, God, in prayer and devotion. I'm going to stay connected to my church family. I'm going to do anything I can to protect my family and provide for them. Now, that's a story, too. You see, many times we don't see it this way because in the decision-making process, it's all about the future. At some point, you will tell your story, whether it's a three-sentence story or a much larger one. But the question is, which story do you want to tell? The one you spiraled out on or the one that you stayed close to God on? It could be like this. It could be a relationship with a person I really thought they loved me. We talked about the future. We talked about marriage, and then they broke it off, and it broke my heart. And then I jumped right into another relationship to show them I'm over you, which I wasn't. But I got into this relationship, and it went places I never wanted a relationship to go. They became abusive and mean, and that's my story. Or in this relationship with this person, I really thought they loved me. We talked about the future. We talked about getting married, but they broke it off, and it broke my heart. But God, as much as my heart hurts, I am not going to jump back into another relationship. I'm going to seek you out and use this time to allow you to heal me from this hurt and allow you to teach me through your word what you need for me to know. God, I have a goal. I do not want to date for at least a year or so. Now, that's a story that you can also tell. See, the question is this. What is the story I want to tell? And the dilemma in all of this is that we all have a story up to this point. But when we are facing new decisions, new opportunities, you know, new options, we forget to attach the current to the past. And we forget to ask the question, which of these opportunities, which of these choices, which of these options best fits my story and what I want to tell in the future? Because the next season of your life is nothing more than the story that someday you are going to tell. So once again, what is the story I want to tell someday. Well, the Bible gives us a really a great illustration for this. It's in Genesis. It's the story of Joseph, and it took place around 1800 B.C., but what is great about this story is that we have a condensed version of the story given to us that has a lot of detail to it. It's in Genesis chapter 39, but listen, when Joseph was 17 years old, he had 10 older brothers and one younger brother, so there were 12 sons born to Jacob who became known as the 12 tribes of Israel. They make up what that nation of Israel that God had chosen for them to be. Now, that's the good news. The bad news, like all families, they had some eternal issues. And one of those issues was that the 12 older brothers hated Joseph. For reason, he was his father's favorite, and Joseph would rat out on his brothers when they were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. And when Joseph went out to see his brothers one day, far away out in the field as dad spied, as he's going out there, they saw him coming, and so they kind of put a little powwow together. And like all families, there's civil rivalry, but I bet your brothers or sisters never had a discussion like this about you. Should we kill our brother, or should we sell him into slavery? And by the time Joseph arrives, they hadn't decided yet, so they threw him into a well and discussed it more that night. Then they decided to sell him to some slave traders. The brothers then took Joseph's coat of many colors, and they ripped it apart, and they put blood, animal blood on it, and returned it back to the father, and, you know, with the animal blood on there, and said, sorry, Dad, looks like a, a wild animal killed your son. Well, when these slave traders proceeded to Egypt, and there Joseph was placed on the auction block, he was purchased by a man named Potiphar, who happened to be the king's captain of the royal guard for Pharaoh. And so Joseph ends up in the home of a wealthy Egyptian, but he's still a slave. And understand, Joseph's in a position of making a decision. Decisions he never wanted to make. 
I mean, how do you respond to being kidnapped by your brother, sold into slavery when you were a free man, you know, to a nation, and you'll never get a chance to see your family again, and you're hearing a language you could not even speak or even understand? I mean, he could have curled up into the corner in the fetal position and thought of suicide. That could be one of his decisions. He could have planned an escape, but a plan that had no plan once you escaped, that wouldn't be a good idea. But here's what Joseph did. Joseph makes a decision, and the decision is not to play the role of a victim. But he accepted his fate from the hand of God, and for some reason, this is your will for me, God, and this is where I'm at, and I will be the best slave this man had ever had. Joseph started making decisions that were centered around God. And over time, Potiphar recognized that this guy is a rarity, and Potiphar would give him more and more responsibility, and Joseph each time rose to the occasion. But there, Potiphar advances Joseph to the executive manager of his whole household. He became chief of staff. And this is about as good as it gets for a slave, for you get to boss around all the other slaves and get to call the shots for the household. But when Joseph is faced with the dilemma, he never thought he would be faced with, and that dilemma was this. Whichever decision he makes, he's going to lose either way. So in Genesis chapter 39, verse 6, says, Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, that's Potiphar, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, let lie with me. But he refused. Joseph refused her. Now, of course, we don't know what Mrs. Potiphar looked like. It could have been really an easy choice, but we're going to get the picture. Probably she did look pretty good. I mean, she's pretty confident that this 17-year-old boy would go to bed with her. So whatever the case, if she was good-looking or not, you know, the fact is, is that she felt very confident in this. So Joseph is in his prime, and here is his boss's wife saying, come to bed with me. If he does, it will be found out. You know, the fact is because God's word says your sin will find you out, or she'll tire of him. Find a new young slave and discard him, get rid of him. If I do not agree to it, she will be embarrassed and I will, be, I will put her to shame. And she has control over my fate and I'm doomed. Either way, I'm doomed. So it was a decision that Joseph's going to make and there wasn't really a right answer for any of that because he's a loser either way. And so Joseph in this begins to think of his story thus far. And it goes on to say, as he refused, he said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me or in the house, and he's committed all that he has into my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. Lady, you got a story too, and a decision you are making is not consistent with the story you of being a wife. Obviously, she probably didn't care about the consistency because maybe Joseph is not the first. Uh, that's just speculation. But as Joseph rehearsed his story, to get focused on what his story is and for it to continue with consistency, he asked the question and he said, ask this, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? In light of God's providential care of me, in light of the terrible things that have happened to me, God has been faithful to me. God has allowed me to prosper in this place that I'm at. Your husband has entrusted everything to me in light of God's providence, in light of your husband's trust, which of these options is consistent with the story so far and which one is most consistent with the story that I want to tell? No matter, this decision will cause him to lose out either way. 
But here's what Joseph did. He chooses, if I lose out, I'm going to lose out on the side of God decision. And that's exactly what Joseph did. So which story do you want to tell? Understand, whatever the decision you make, whatever it is, it becomes a part of your story. And back in the day, when I was sold into slavery would say, Joseph, you know, back in the day when I was sold there, you know, I was rescued from a man, you know, in his house. I was entrusted with all that he had, and I slept with his wife. Is that the story you want to tell? Or I was placed into slavery. God rescued me into a man's house who entrusted me with all that he had, and I stayed faithful to him, and I ended up in jail for not sleeping with his wife. She framed me. She said things about me that were not true, like I tried to rape her, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But it's not true. But Joseph now is in jail. He's in jail. And here's the thing. Joseph meets a couple of guys in jail. He tells them their story. Please tell Pharaoh, put a good word in for me. And these guys get out. They don't. Pharaoh has a dream, and nobody can interpret it. And this guy remembers this guy in jail two years ago who can interpret dreams, which was Joseph. And Pharaoh goes, go and get this guy. So they get Joseph. They give him a bath. They shave him. And the very fact is, Pharaoh saw something in this young man that he could, he could trust. Trust so much so that he makes him prime minister in all of Egypt. Only Pharaoh was above him. And through Joseph, Egypt was able to weather the famine. And through Joseph, so was his family back in Israel, able to weather the famine. Joseph kept, his, kept making decisions with a story that was consistent with his life and the relationship with God. And those became defining moments. Yet Joseph's story is not over. As the famine hits, Joseph, Jacob, and his family up in the north in Israel are affected by the famine. So the brothers go down to Egypt because they hear that there's grain in Egypt to buy some. Well, Joseph is in charge of the distribution of the grain. He recognizes his brothers. These men who were 15 years ago sold him into slavery. Now Joseph faces a decision he didn't want to face, and it's a surprising one. Do I sell them grain or do I take revenge on what they did to me? Or will I stick consistently with my story and make this decision that fits my story of trust, honesty, and integrity? This is the story I want to tell. God's been gracious to me and all that I have been through. I'll be gracious to my brothers too. What is the story that you want to tell? Is it God-centered? Because God must fit into the center of that. And you know, even if it goes the wrong way for you, even if you do good, and you are punished for it, you know you're going to end up on the right side like Joseph did. So no matter what life dishes out to you, trust in God, your obedience to his word, your decision will be a defining moment, and you'll be glad that you made it.